Hello, this is Father Michael Eads from the Toronto Oratory, and you're listening to Lexio et Oratio, a short spiritual reading podcast followed by a reflection. Mother Teresa, come be my light, the private writings of the Saint of Calcutta, chapter 12 continued, his tender concern for me and my nothingness. As the correspondence continued, Father Michael Vanderpeet rejoiced in the privilege of this exchange with Mother Teresa. It was a gift from God for which I am most grateful, he later admitted. The impression that I got was that I was dealing with a woman who somehow saw God and felt God in the distress of the poor, and a woman who had an incredible faith in light and darkness. She saw the suffering of Christ, but it was not that she was taken up in ecstasy or things like that. That was not part of her life, although people might be tempted to think that. I really believe that the reason Mother Teresa had to undergo so much darkness in her life is that it would bring about a greater identification with the poor. The darkness as being a means of greater identification with the poor was an insight that Mother Teresa had obtained earlier with Father Nooner's guidance. Father Vanderpeet pointed in the same direction, thereby helping Mother Teresa to have confidence in him. Her contact with him was also God's gift to her offering her one more proof of his tender love, a confirmation of his care in the midst of her abiding interior trial. November 26th, 1976, on my way to India. LDM. Dear Father Michael, by now you must have received the note I sent you and the book. Since then, I have had to come to Rome on some urgent work. You ask the question why Jesus wanted you to meet me that day in Rome. We have received much from accepting to meet, without being consulted or prepared. I do not know how he does with you, but with me, he always does so, just to make me realize his tender concern for me and my nothingness, his fullness and my emptiness, his infinite love and my childlike love. Let not your infidelity to spiritual exercises and daily religious duties and your hesitancy, as you say, preoccupy you, but accept all that he gives and give whatever he takes with a big smile, for this is holiness to do his will with a big smile. I am very happy you visited the sisters at Union Avenue. I feel Jesus will use them for the greater glory of his Father. It is good that the cross takes us to Calvary and not to a sitting room. The cross, the Calvary, has been very real for some time. It no longer hurts me, the hurt, but the hurt the person hurts herself with in doing so. 
I understand better what Jesus said to St. Margaret Mary of the pain he felt from those who were his own. The days in the U.S., especially in Philadelphia, were so full of sacrifice. I was really living the Mass. It was all one act of blind obedience. I began to understand the stations of the cross with a deeper meaning. The police, the crowds, it all seemed as if Calvary was today being reenacted all over again. Jesus gave one very big grace to accept everything with a big smile. The other day, a young priest spoke of how the MC are the witness of God's existence. And if he did not exist, our work would have no meaning at all. And how the MC have made his faith alive and fruitful. Next time you write, please send the Jesus prayer and the music. As in the mother house, we don't have it. More and more, I begin to learn why Jesus wants us to learn from him to be meek and humble of heart. For because without meekness, we can never be able to accept others, nor love the other as he loves us. And so before we learn humility, without which we cannot love God, we have to learn to love each other. We need meekness and humility to be able to eat the bread of life. We need meekness and humility if we want to feed him and the hungry one. I would be happy if you wrote about the hunger of man and the bread of life, the hunger of God and the hungry one, in the distressing disguise of the poor. At the mother house, since we have ten groups of sisters, eight novices and two professed, we have ten hours of adoration in two chapels. Here lies our strength and our joy. I will not ask you to pray for me, for I know you pray for me, but I ask you to tell Jesus, when at your word the bread becomes his body and the wine becomes his blood, to change my heart, to give me his own heart, so that I can love him as he loves me. Happy and holy Christmas, in case I am not able to write. Yours in Jesus, Mother Teresa, M.C. Mother Teresa did not mention her darkness in this letter, but the fruits of this experience were evident. The meekness and humility of the heart of Jesus that she had been trying to imitate for years could be seen in the way she lived. God's tender love and concern that touched her each time anew had mellowed her iron will, not lessening her determination, but enriching it with tenderness. She was childlike in her love and in her life. A few years earlier, she had written to Malcolm Mugridge, encouraging him in his spiritual struggle. I think I understand you better now. I am afraid I could not answer to your deep suffering. I don't know why, but you are to me like Nicodemus, and I am sure the answer is the same unless you become a little child. I am sure you will understand beautifully everything 
if you would only become a little child in God's hands. Your longing for God is so deep, and yet he keeps himself away from you. He must be forcing himself to do so because he loves you so much as to give Jesus to die for you and for me. Christ is longing to be your food. Surrounded with fullness of living food, you allow yourself to starve. The personal love Christ has for you is infinite. The small difficulty you have regarding his church is finite. Overcome the finite with the infinite. Christ has created you because he wanted you. I know what you feel, terrible longing with dark emptiness, and yet he is the one in love with you. Mother Teresa indeed knew that terrible longing with deep, dark emptiness. While wanting to be aflame with love, all she felt was icy, cold darkness. Nonetheless, she had embraced her state with childlike simplicity and confidence. It was this same childlikeness that helped her encourage Father Vanderpeet not to be troubled with his infidelities and hesitancy. Being a public figure was a real suffering, a calvary for Mother Teresa, and she struggled mightily to overcome her natural feelings. Yet her smile, a cloak that covered this pain, prevented others from sensing what living in the spotlight cost her. To smile required an effort, as she explained during a speech in 1977, with her characteristic humor. I remember some time ago, a very big group of professors came from the United States, and they asked, tell us something that will help us. And I said, smile at each other. I must have said it in a very serious way, I suppose, and so one of them asked me, Are you married? And I said, Yes. And I sometimes find it very difficult to smile at Jesus, because he can be very demanding. People flocked to her, attracted by her kindness and simplicity. For everyone, she had time, a word a smile. She was able to provide solace because it was Jesus she wanted to give to all. Pray, I must be able to give only Jesus to the world. People are hungry for God. What a terrible meeting it would be with our neighbor if we give them only ourselves. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Angels of God, our guardians dear, to whom God's love commits us here, ever this day be at our side, to light and guard, to rule and guide. Amen. Most sacred heart of Jesus, teacher of teachers, have mercy on us. Saint Philip Neri, child of Mary, apostle of Rome, Vessel of the Holy Ghost, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. What happens to Malcolm Muggeridge?
Well, he was the great BBC TV personality. And he convinced his boss to allow him to go to Calcutta and to interview Mother. He was very interested in her. He eventually wrote the book, Something Beautiful for God. He wasn't Catholic. And that's what Mother Teresa is talking about in her letter to him. She saw profoundly that this man longed for God. He was longing for something. There was pain in him. And so she tells him that whatever the finite argument she has, he has against the church, whatever his issue is regarding the church, the difficulty he has, it's a finite difficulty. And he should, he should overcome the finite with the infinite, the personal love of Christ for him. And where is that infinite love of Christ to be found? In the Eucharist. She says to him, I'm going to pray that you long for this food that is the Eucharist. This is what you're craving. This is what you need. Now, how can Mother Teresa understand him? Well, notice at first she admits that she can't fully understand him. I think I understand you better now. I am afraid I could not answer to your deep suffering. In other words, she understood he was suffering. She was trying to understand him. And what allowed her to understand his longing? Her own experience. Her own deep longing. Do you see how this thing that Mother Teresa went through helped her to sympathize with other people? It allowed her to enter into their suffering, not in a fake way, but in a real way. And so she was instrumental in helping Malcolm Muggeridge become Catholic. And who knows how many people have become Catholic through him. And if we also can allow Jesus to work through us, if we will really be humble and beg God for that grace, not to give ourselves, but to give Jesus, if we can allow his grace to be in us to so that we too can give people a word, a smile, an encouragement. If we can allow the Jesus we receive in the Eucharist to go out from us, if we carry him out, then who knows? We might also be the instrument of great conversions. For the time of conversion is not over. The time of people meeting Christ is not over. The time of the growth of the church is not over. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.